Climate change is real and is happening as we speak. These changes can impose serious threats to human health and is causing more frequent and intense extreme weather events across the world. Global temperatures have risen by about one degree C and this figure is set to increase even more. At Veolia, our ambition is to achieve ecological transformation. If you want to learn more about how your business can play its part, join our panel of experts in our LinkedIn Live series. Ask the expert. Follow us and look out for the notification when we have gone live to discover our innovative solutions and how we can all turn the tide on climate change. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of Ask the Expert. Today, I'm joined by an expert in the responsible business team here at Veolia, Tabitha Searle, who will be talking to you and I about all things biodiversity. Biodiversity is important to us at Veolia. It's one of the pillars that contributes to our purpose. Our purpose is ecological transformation. But why is it important? And will it really help us achieve net zero? In this episode of Ask the Experts, we're going to be finding out more about the link between social value and biodiversity and how biodiversity can help achieve net zero and the initiatives that Viola are involved in. Before we dive in, Tabitha, welcome. Would you like to introduce yourself and tell our viewers and listeners a little bit about what they can expect to hear from you today? Good morning, Martin. Um, so I'm Tabitha, Corporate Social Responsibility Manager for Veolia um, and joining this Ask the Expert session. Definitely don't feel like an expert, but biodiversity is someone that takes everyone, something that takes everyone. Um, so today, Martin and I are going to talk about um, what biodiversity is, what it means to Veolia, how it fits into the bigger sustainability picture, what we're doing and what we see our customers doing as well. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. So let's start with the basics. Um, Tabby, Tabitha, what is biodiversity? So biodiversity is simply the variety of life on Earth. So it's a measure of variation at the genetic, species, habitat, ecosystem, and even all over Earth level. Um, so it includes all living species, so animals, plants, fungi, microorganisms, very, very small to the very, very big Excellent. So, okay, I get that. So um, it's pretty much everything. Um, why is that important then? Well, so biodiversity is essential for all of the processes that support life on Earth. So that includes us humans. Um, and we obtain many of our basic needs from the natural world. So water, food, fuels, shelter, medicine. And on top of that, ecosystems provide crucial services like climate regulation, water purification, nutrient cycling, pollination, and then a loss of biodiversity within any of those ecosystems weakens its ability to provide us with those essentials to survive. Um, and within that ecosystem, the range of species and organisms work together to maintain balance and support life. So if you remove just one species, you can disrupt that balance in ways we often don't really understand or recognise yet. Um, biologically diverse ecosystems are also more resilient, so they're more likely to survive and adapt to changing conditions, things like flooding or droughts caused by us, by climate change. So I remember a, a, a comment, I can't think who the quote is from right now, but effectively if we remove all the bees, 
humans are gone in five years. Mm. That, that's what we're saying. That's why it's important. It's it's all interconnected and we all rely on each other. Yeah, exactly. And even just even within bees, you know, there's lots of different bee species out there. We get quite hung up on honeybees. So we put lots of hives um, in places, but then we potentially inadvertently disrupt the balance of all the other types of bees. So it's a very complicated web that we're not really good enough at balancing out. So, um, yeah, I'm thinking now the stories, you know, of, of species that have been introduced to other parts of the world that then drive out another species. Mm. Um, yeah, as a story for another time, I'm sure it's called Patagonia cats. I've got it in my head, but I'll uh, we'll go get to that <laughs> at some point, maybe. Um, I know it ends with basically a lot of people ending up in hospital because uh, their roofs collapse because the cat eats something that used to eat the weevils. Anyway, okay. um, as always, my mind has wandered off. Um, <laughs> biodiversity and, and how it all works and how it all connects, you get that. But so how does it connect to social value? Where does social value come into biodiversity? So I guess, firstly, we often see a bit of a misunderstanding that social value is just about projects that directly support the S in ESG, so the social bit. Mm -hmm. um, but really, it all explicitly includes activities which support environmental outcomes, because those will always indirectly help society as well. So that includes projects that you can do related to biodiversity. Um, but also we know and we see that projects that support biodiversity pretty much always deliver direct benefits to society as well. There's loads of research showing that living in greener, more biodiverse areas improve social, mental and physical well-being. Um, and actually bringing it closer to home, our Veolia Orchards programme, for example, where we plant fruit trees in urban schools around the country, we see that delivering on biodiversity, obviously, but we also see a range of other connected social value outcomes. So well-being for the children as they spend time outside, educational opportunities as they learn about tree life cycles and planting, health benefits as they have easier access to fresh fruit, other health benefits from improved air quality. So it all adds up just from that one initial input. Yeah, I see it. I, I see the connection now between the biodiversity and the social value. And mm -hmm. yeah, a real check and balance and, a, and a, a, so much so much penetration into, into different areas. Yeah, we all love to see animals in the wild, don't we? It's, it is one of those um, those universal moments we all get excited about when at Kingswood, when we all look out the window and suddenly somebody says there's a deer and yeah. the deer are walking across the car park it, it is a, a moment we all enjoy that and get that little boost out of it so mm -hmm. yeah I, I, there's tangible and intangibles here get that um so that's the biodiversity to social value how how does net zero connect then net zero is important driver for everyone at the moment um but why should we consider biodiversity when setting net zero goals so net zero and biodiversity are really closely entwined, but I think this often seems to get forgotten. Um, if nature supports the regulation of the overall climate and then habitat loss due to human activity reduces that regulation and then climate change re further reduces um, biodiversity loss, it all ends up as a sort of dual crisis. So you need to tackle them together. Um, and we know that biodiversity can be a major tool in helping to achieve net zero. So more biodiverse ecosystems can sequester and store more carbon, um, protecting, managing, restoring forests, for example. 
um, offers roughly two thirds of the total mitigation potential of all nature-based solutions. We know that despite massive and ongoing losses, forests still cover more than 30% of the planet's land. And then peatlands, so wetlands, marshes, swamps, etc., cover only 3% of the world's land, but some estimates show they store twice as much carbon as all of those forests. So preserving all those different natural areas is going to help support biodiversity. Um, and then we also see that sometimes projects that we do that are aiming to deliver on net zero, things like um, afforestation projects where we plant huge numbers of trees, actually can have negative biodiversity consequences because they're sort of monocultures that just end up as these they might have trees but they're otherwise quite barren um so you've got to sort of consider that as one um, and actually it's been interesting we're starting to see thinking about how we can be more strategic in delivering biodiversity and net zero together so recently one of our restored landfill sites we installed um solar panels mm -hmm. so ockenden landfill 59 megawatts of solar panel went in um so we're able to do that net zero via renewable electricity and the biodiversity by having restored the landfill site in one location. And there's even a bit of research out there suggesting that the shades provided by the panels has additional biodiversity benefits, slowing the growing season down, allows a wider range of plants to grow, protecting from the heat and evapotranspiration, that sort of thing. Ah, fabulous. I saw something on, uh, on LinkedIn, actually, I think at the weekend. Um, I think it may have been in Spain, but it was a solar panel farm mm. where they'd installed solar panels in a farm and it was allowing the crops to grow underneath. Much yeah. The growth, the, the mass of, of, you know, I'm getting this all the wrong way around, but basically the, the, the core jets were growing 30% larger because of the shade that was being provided. Um, and it, it was almost a net zero farm in the way that these uh, this, this was all working. So really interesting really there is a strong link between biodiversity and net zero yeah. in both directions as you say monocultures isn't going to be good um but then you can have other benefits too so has to be be worked together everything is connected tabitha isn't it yeah definitely um yeah thank you um so what are veolia doing to help support and improve biodiversity what initiatives do we have in place so there's loads going on overall. Um, as part of our impact 2023 strategy, we had a number of specific targets and objectives around biodiversity on our sites. Um, so implement, implementing ecological management plans on sites, deploying a toolkit for higher priority sites, um, cutting the use of phytosanitary products and raising environmental awareness. Um, and we're on track to hit or exceed all of those targets by the end of this year, which is great. And we've definitely seen um, that having that consistent approach to tackling biodiversity across all sites has made a big difference, less sort of piecemeal than sometimes I think we see. Um, and then we also have more flashy initiatives, if you like, all over the country. Um, so the Green Wall at our Leeds Energy Recovery Facility, for anyone who's seen that before, is really impressive to see. Um, at our Tidworth Wastewater Treatment Works, we've got this drainage pool system which attracts a massive diversity of wildlife um, so yeah the list goes on there's lots going on all over the country um, and also closer to home for me for our Kingswood offices it's been exciting to watch the evolution of our two LECO devices 
Um, so this is a tool which continuously captures the sounds of key bioindicator species. So it then tells us both the species type and abundance of those species, but that's also able to tell us what it means for our overall ecosystem health. So overall biodiversity, air quality, water quality, based on the specific needs and um, features of those bioindicator species. Um, we found out that we've got nine different bat species, which we wouldn't have expected. For anyone who's been to Kingswood, it's surrounded by some green spaces, but it is just a big office building, you know, neighbouring the M6 pretty much. But it's amazing to see how much we do have there. Um, and we're now looking at the information collected during this year to help us build a data-led improvement plan for next year. I think that's that's the... the you know the, the the thing that's been really exciting about the leco project for me um obviously it's one i've been quite close to uh alongside yourself and alexis um seeing it come to life uh, and gathering that data and realizing that we do have the ability to put a metric against the biodiversity that we have around us and then act like a business and do good business by figuring out what steps we can take to increase that biodiversity. Um, and I know the tool itself, um, I remember a meeting not too long ago with you when you told me we, that they're adding new species that you can detect. Yeah, yeah. So we've, they've started adding in certain amphibian species and the a shrew and a field mouse. Um, they are due to add on rats as well, which might have people less excited, but still an important part of the ecosystem. Um, but yeah, it's been really interesting seeing and also seeing how that's changed through the year. It's been a good learning experience to understand which species are more or less prevalent in different times of year. Um, we have two boxes in the garden hmm. and they're only, what, Martin, 50 metres apart from each other? That, yeah, 50 metres, yeah. Um, but one is a bit more in a grass area, one's a little bit more tree sheltered. And even just with that distance, they show slightly different profiles. Um, yeah. it, it's fabulous and finding out that the bats that we've got around us the insects that are around us really brings to life the biodiversity and I think it makes for me particularly I, you know I feel more responsible now mm. because I it's, know they're there even though I don't see them yeah it's been a great engagement tool it's definitely you know from a data and analysis perspective it's really powerful but just to help everyone understand what's around them the sort of conversations that it's generated have been Really interesting. Exactly. Okay. So there's another phrase that I keep hearing that I'm not the most educated on. So I need <laughs> some help here, Tabitha. Um, what is biodiversity net gain? And, and what are we doing about that? So biodiversity net gain is a new piece of legislation coming into effect in January that will require new developments to deliver a minimum of 10% biodiversity net gain as part of the planning process. So whatever biodiversity value was there before development, after development, we'll need to measure a 10% increase. Ideally, that should be delivered on the site itself, but sometimes that won't be possible, in which case developers can create off-site habitats with the same level of improvement, either on their land or other land, or as a last resort, purchase statutory biodiversity credits from the government. Um, so for us, that's gonna affect any planning applications we put in. Um, so our planning team have been keeping on top of what they'll need to do. 
And we know that with the resource and waste strategy policies that are coming into play, we're definitely going to see the need for new infrastructure, which is going to mean new planning applications. And then interestingly for us, on the flip side, we're also looking at whether our landfills that are in the process of restoration could be used as biodiversity banks themselves. So either to fulfill our own biodiversity net gain requirements or another company's requirements or even be used as biodiversity credits. So there's definitely a lot to factor in. Um, so for a habitat to be legally secured and maintained so for a habitat to be used as a biodiversity sort of value in biodiversity net gain it has to be legally secured and maintained for at least 30 years so that's not always going to be feasible um, but overall it's a really exciting development with big potential for biodiversity but we're definitely going to have a steep learning curve come january once this comes into effect uh, we like a steep learning curve yeah um We've talked a little bit about what Violi is doing and we've talked about how important biodiversity is and, and with this biodiversity net gain, it's actually, I guess, coming through the policy elements and the legislative elements and the regulation elements for people. So what can our customers do? What do they need to do? Um, we know that lots of our customers are already doing a lot in this area, but there's always more that can be done. Um, there's the sort of basic standard approach understanding what your biodiversity impacts are, where they lie, is it in your site for your supply chain, etc, depending on what type of business you are, and then setting targets and objectives to help direct action, keep everyone moving in the same direction. You can't do everything all at once. You need certain objectives that are going to deliver certain outcomes, and then monitoring those outcomes of those actions. Um, so we've talked about tools like LECO, but there's also lots of other tools available. Um, ecologist assessments, obviously, staff-led monitoring tools out there. Um, and that will both make sure interventions are working, but also engage employees and other stakeholders on the journey. Like we said, we found the LECO devices have been a great engagement tool. Um, and then importantly as well, I think, through all of this, finding ways to integrate biodiversity plans and actions into other strategies. So whether it's your net zero plan, employee well-being, social value, integrating biodiversity into multiple strategies and integrating multiple strategies into biodiversity helps make sure we're thinking about um, biodiversity as part of that bigger picture. And also I think makes each of those areas kind of stickier as they become dependent on each other one is less likely to get dropped at the expense of another if you know that they're all adding together. Um, and then I think making sure suppliers know that biodiversity is important to you and enlisting them in your strategy as well. So that might be through specific supply policies or setting expectations around um, your supplier's site operations. Or if you have suppliers that have staff on your site for any reason, seeing what they can do to directly support your biodiversity goals as well. Great advice there, Tabitha. Thank you. I'm sure many of the people who are watching and listening back to this uh, when it becomes a podcast um, will be having food for thought there. Um, that's all the time we've got today. Thank you for joining me today, Tabitha, and sharing your expert knowledge on this important topic if anybody listening wants to find out more about biodiversity and the ways to improve it we'll be adding some links in the comments section for you to read through and review at your own leisure our next episode the last 
Ask the Expert for 2023 is on the 14th of December at 11am. And I'll be joined by not one, not two, but three Viola experts who are allowed to put three experts in the same place, talking about food waste, from the impact of food waste for businesses and residents, projects we've supported, and food waste reduction tips for everybody listening and watching across the festive period. Please don't forget to tune in. You can also listen back to any and all of our podcast episodes of Ask the Expert at veolia.co.uk forward slash podcast hyphen hub. Thank you very much, Abby. Take care. I'll see you soon. Thanks, Martin. Bye.